there are four things that I believe a person needs to do to, to get into real estate. People ask me, how do you get into real estate? And the number one thing is get educated. Um, and, and that's a two phase process. It's before you do anything, study, read, listen to podcasts, go to bigger pockets. I mean, everywhere you can get information, collect it. Um, you know, if you want to go through a program, you know, go through a program. Um, the second phase of it is actually after you buy your first property. And that to me is where a lot of the major education takes place. But so education is number one. Number two is getting a mentor. Uh, number three is writing a plan. And number four is just taking action. Okay, you got all this stuff in place. You're ready to go. Now you got to take the leap. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate. A podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, my job is to explore, dissect, and interview the cream of the crop real estate entrepreneurs and business leaders here in the United States so you can all make the right decisions when it comes to investing for cash flow to create long-term wealth and financial freedom. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and you can always follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Gooses. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. Now, on today's show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bill Manacero, and Bill is an old dog. He's an old boy, but he definitely bucks the trend of the, you know, the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. At 60, Bill is absolutely crushing it when it comes to his being a successful entrepreneur and when it comes to investing for cash flow in multifamily real estate. But before I introduce you to our cracking entrepreneur, Bill, remember I have a free ebook if you leave a comment in iTunes. And the way you get your hands on that ebook is by shooting me a screenshot of your review to info, that's I-N-F-O at rsnpropertygroup.com. And in return, I'm gonna flick you back my new ebook, The Art and Science of Raising Capital Like a Pro, The 4P Rule. And this is for all those new real estate entrepreneurs or newbies out there who are looking to try and raise capital for their real estate business or for, for any business in, in that matter. And I walk you through the steps, the four basic steps that you need to start changing your mindset about raising capital. And the four steps are pretty, pretty simple. It's professionalism. We always have to be professional when we raise capital. It's pitch, honing in your, your pitch to make sure you're attracting the right type of clients. It's practice, making sure that you know how to practice it in front of a large group of investors. And the last one is patience. This doesn't happen overnight. You're raising capital, you're not just snapping your fingers and all of a sudden you're raising millions and millions of dollars. It takes time. So this ebook hopefully will change your mindset. It will give you the tools to go out there and start successfully raising capital like a pro. Now, if you want, remember, if you want to get your hands on it, give me give the show a review and then shoot me a screenshot at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. Now, remember, guys, as I've mentioned many times on this show, we are doing a mentorship program in 2017, and it's for all those cracking entrepreneurs out there who want to take their investing career to the next level and start buying cash-flowing real estate here in the United States, specifically multifamily real estate. If you are interested in joining my uh, limited group 
of mentees, my cracking entrepreneurs, then give me a shout at info at rsnpropertygroup.com and put in the subject line, you wanna learn more about my mentorship program. Really the program walks you through the A to Z of investing here in the United States, particularly multifamily, from understanding the lingo to understanding how to analyze a proper deal to find those cracking deals out there in the marketplace. Uh, I walk you through how to find the proper, the, the, the right sub-market to invest in. And then once you've found that sub-market, how do you develop your team so you're seeing the right type of deals and that you have the support and boots on the ground? These are all things you have to be considered when you're investing in the United States because you have to have your local team. I also walk you through um, the, the, the developing a personal brand when you start raising capital for these multifamily deals. So it, it all in all, I walk you through everything from A to Z. And if you are interested in joining the group, as I said, there's only a limited number of spots in the group. Uh, I'm taking about 15 people this year and spots are f filling up very quickly. Uh, head over or shoot me an, an, an email at info, that's I-N-F-O at rsnpropertygroup.com. All right, guys, as I said, we're going about to dive into this cracking episode. But before we do, remember that you, if you do like any of the, if you do have any comments for this show or you have any feedback, please leave them in the show notes um, up, on my, up on my website at rsnpropertygroup.com forward slash podcast. Or if you want to email me directly, you can always do it. I always appreciate getting feedback from you guys because that is the way this show continues to grow. And that is at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I'm pretty proud to say that I can call on a new mate of mine called Bill Manicero. Bill is the host of the Top Dog real estate show called The Old Dogs REI Network, a blog, newsletter, and weekly podcast for people 50 years and older interested in real estate investing to fund their retirement years and create legacy wealth for their children and grandchildren. Bill's goal is to own and control over a thousand units in less than six years. Prior to forming Old Dogs REI Network, Bill and his family were missionaries to orphaned, abandoned, and at-risk children living on the streets of Port-au-Prince in Haiti. Prior to Haiti, he was a professional musician and spent over 20 years in business on the corporate and entrepreneurial side. A few highlights from his career include meeting Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Stewart, being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey, pretty bloody awesome, and having a CNN do a documentary on their work in Haiti. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Bill. Welcome to the show. Hey, good day, Reed. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. I just uh, we just got off the back end of your show, but I was just uh, really excited to have you coming on my show because I just saw how much of an incredible background you have—a professional musician, uh, a missionary in Haiti. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, I want to learn all about that before we get into real estate. So, without further ado, do you want to give us a little bit more of your background and, and some of the incredible things that you've done in your life? Well, sure. You know, I I started off. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got a, a few few years on you here. You know, I, I, I kind of grew up in the '60s, and you know, pretty much influenced by that. That's where kind of where I learned, uh, you know, music. You know, had formed garage bands, and uh, before you know it, you know, I was playing in clubs and and doing things like that. Uh, um, you know, kind of did that through funding my way through college and. Uh, um, started in the financial services area and banking, believe it or not, you know, uh, and uh, in that kind of worked my way up. Uh, pretty aggressive, motivated young man, um, was a, a corporate VP at 21 years of age and uh, 
um, you're very excited, but but kind of felt kind of restrained in the corporate world. Ended up uh, uh, launching my own business, uh, started uh, marketing consulting, uh, formed an advertising public relations firm, um, moved in in that realm for quite a while, and then uh, moved into technology, which is kind of going crazy at that time. So I moved into uh, technology. Uh, was uh, formed a group, uh, or, or was actually a group was formed that I directed and and grew called the Software Council Southern California. And uh, we encountered, you know, just all of these up and comers that would come to our conferences. We had a thing called VentureNet where we would uh, bring together all of the uh, the private money, the the angels and so forth that were investing in technology at that time. Uh, uh, a young guy named Mark Cuban was uh, one of the guys that came to our event. And, uh, um, you know, people were getting funded left and right. Uh, I moved from that into going with one of the dot coms that looked promising to me. And um, and just, uh, you know, it, it was one of these amazing experiences where you have all of this uh, uh, paper uh, paper investment in that company, uh, stock options, um, that, uh, were just, you know, exploding. You're watching yourself become a multimillionaire as, as all, you know, this, this company is going forward. And then, uh, the internet bubble burst <laughs> and, and, uh, I was kind of like, uh, boy, okay, this is, uh, not exactly what I planned. And, uh, and during that time, especially during those latter years, you know, I was, uh, uh, really involved in, in, in ministry and, and, uh, I, had a uh, a rock band, a children's rock band, and and I was going, oh, should I do that full time? I can't really do that full time. How am I going to survive and all this? And and uh, this kind of when this when the bubble burst, it was like, okay, I'm just going to take a leap of faith. And and uh, my family, we took off across in this 34 foot mobile home and did concerts at music festivals and camps and all kinds of places. It was it was really fun with with half the band with us sometime, and then other times I'd fly to places like Russia or Africa with uh, you know part of my family and and do concerts and um and during that time you know i had uh, my my daughter um ariana i have seven kids but she's a uh, sort of in the middle and uh ariana uh, you know really just developed a heart for haiti and uh she sponsored a kid through world vision i'm actually through a Ch- uh, compassion international and she uh you know, just learned everything she could about Haiti. And then one day, you know, at nine years of age, she tells me she wants to build an orphanage, a school, a hospital and a church in Haiti, you know. And I figured, you know, she's young, uh, you know, kids have have dreams and maybe next year she'll want to be president or what have you. But the dream didn't die. And uh, she stayed very committed to what uh, she wanted to do. And so we um, took a trip over there with our church and it was just a, just a little missions trip. And, you know, she gets off the plane, she walks off the tarmac. They didn't have, uh, you know, they couldn't walk in. You had to walk onto the runway in Haiti. And uh, she got off the tarmac and got down on her knees and kissed the ground and said, you know, I'm home. And, uh, you know, just as a young girl. And um, it was just interesting. On that trip, a lot of things happened. And uh, it was, we were doing music concerts and so forth for, for Haitian kids and, and so and others that were out there in Haiti. And uh, we came back from the trip and my wife felt like she was going the wrong way on the plane and thought we should go back. And, you know, we're just going through a lot of things happen. But anyway, cut a long story short here. We uh, took a leap of faith, gave away or sold everything we had and moved over to Haiti to take care of street kids. And uh, and that was really sort of the launch of that. We formed an organization called Child Hope International, uh, which uh, still exists today and is still active in Haiti. And uh, we uh, began working with kids and 
and helping uh, abandoned kids, at-risk children, uh, orphaned kids to get a, a good foundation in their lives, to be able to get educated. Uh, we taught them uh, businesses that they could grow and, and get involved with. And uh, um, and that's, you know, still continuing today. But, uh, you know, while we were there, we had a lot of crazy experiences. Uh, we had uh, everything from attempted kidnappings to hurricanes. We were there during the major earthquake that happened in 2010. And uh, my wife even got cancer while we were there. We came back to the States. She went through chemo. We both couldn't wait to get back to Haiti. And uh, and so we, you know, we were kind of going gangbusters for about 12 years. And, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a tough place. It's a it's a beautiful place. It's got beautiful people, but it's a very tough place. And as you get older, it gets a little a little more difficult. And, uh, and so we just, uh, knew that this was, that was it. God is calling us back to the States. And, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, started looking at, uh, what we're going to do. You know, we're going to go back to the States. I'm like 60 years old, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I, and I, I had not, no plans for retirement. I had nothing in the works. So while I'm in Haiti, I'm kind of experimenting and looking at ideas and I'm thinking, you know, I'll, all I could see is myself in this blue vest, you know, handing out shopping carts in Walmart. And I, and I just uh, thought, no, I don't want to do that. And, and and I'd started businesses before and I knew what that was like. And I thought, well, maybe I should start something. Uh, looked at online businesses and, uh, you know, had this great little thing going on, uh, with eBay reselling and, and drop shipping and ended up, uh, doing, you know, making some great little income while we were in Haiti. And then I got kicked off of eBay and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was like, and then once you're kicked off of eBay, forget it, you know, so that whole business model just, you know, went kaput and, uh, got a, a an inheritance check in the mail and, uh, uh, was, you know, looking for a way to invest. And I, you know, already in the stock market, I felt like I had too much in the stock market already. Uh, I saw maybe looking at other other things to do and uh, looked at real estate, started researching, looking at good markets to go into, hopped on a plane, uh, picked up three properties, uh, uh, one in Atlanta and two in uh, Memphis, and then flew back to Haiti. And then shortly after that, we um, knew that we were going to be heading over to the States, so I moved to the States. And um, I just kind of liked what had happened. I bought these these properties, and a month later, I got a check in the mail. I mean, just a month after I bought them and then another check, you know, and it was just, this is really nice. And I thought, wow, if I could just increase that, I would, uh, you know, be able to have a nice little way to sustain us in our retirement and, and, uh, hopefully to grow something that, uh, a legacy for our children. And that's really how it started. I started looking at real estate as a means to be able to fund our retirement years and uh, set a goal for myself. I said, uh, what I want to do is uh, double the number of units I have each year. And then by year six, I will have a thousand units. And that's that's the goal that I'm on right now. I um, have a, currently have 28 units. Um, and uh, uh, this year I'm looking to acquire 100 plus units. Uh, and that's that's all I have to achieve in, the, in this year. And then next year I'm going to have to do uh, obviously uh, over 200 and some odd units. And uh, and then it, it keeps doubling each year um, until uh, you know I reach a, a thousand units. And in that process, what has happened is because I was starting late in life, I had a lot of guys that were like me and I 
put them in this old dog category that are, you know, similar baby boomers and, and folks that are looking to either supplement their retirement or they're approaching retirement and they're concerned that they won't have the funds to be able to support themselves. They're looking at social security, wondering if it's going to be around, uh, pensions that maybe have dried up in 2007, 2008, um, other concerns that they have. And so they just kept asking me to sort of share that information with them. And so I started a blog, started just kind of giving a little diary of my my activities and investing and sharing information for those that wanted education. And it just kind of grew and and it became uh, from a, just a, a blog to a podcast and uh, and a podcast now that airs twice weekly called the Old Dogs REI Network. And, uh, and it's, that's what's happening now is I'm, I'm moving on this journey. I'm sharing the stories. I have great guests on the show, uh, Reed, you being one of them. And, uh, uh, it's, it's just been, it's been fantastic. I, I just, uh, what I really love about it is just, you know, I'm using my brain, my mind and, and our goal, you know, I don't need a thousand units, but our goal is to use the the excess that we raise, um, if, you know, through our real estate efforts to support our efforts in Haiti. So we have great plans, great things going on there, uh, business incubators, uh, um, schools, all kinds of things we want to expand and grow and uh, make into something that will help these kids to be able to uh, learn a trade, learn a, a way to be able to survive in a country that's very, very difficult to survive in now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. No, no, not do not be sorry at all, Bill. That was longer than I that, thought. That will hey man, you you've got some awesome experience. That I, I don't even know where to start. I'm I'm just looking down. I've just written a bunch of notes. So we've got dot com era, we've got nine year old rock star, we've got we've got uh cancer survivors, kidnappings, we've got Haiti, we've got units, we've got everything in here. I'm just I'm blown away. I I honestly I'm I'm really impressed. I'm not just only impressed, I'm gobsmacked to be honest because this is just <laughs> gobsmacked. That's a great this, term. This is I got to write that down. Yeah, this is uh this is an incredible list of achievements, man, and I I I, I, I I can't even hold a candle to that. You know, like, wow, you've done so much in your life and I think that you should be, one, you should be proud because you have achieved so much and you've lived your life, which is incredibly awesome. Um, and two, that just like, you've just done everything that you can possibly do. I, I hope you, you feel the same way, right? <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's it has been a great life, and 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 even you know looking back at my corporate years, I mean, there's 20 years before I even went into ministry that I was doing business. Right. I didn't really want to make this story too long, but um, it's it has been a great a great definitely that was never boring. I mean, there's always been activities, but I, but I look at those years in Haiti as really sort of the best years uh, of my life. Not, not necessarily the best activities. I think, you know, I look at my marriage, I think at the birth of my children as, as some of the best activities that happened in my, the best events in my life. But I would say that those years were some of the best, even though they're the most difficult. I mean, you know, that all the crazy stuff that happened, it was, it was still absolutely the best years. I could imagine, um, living in a third world country. I've, I've traveled to a, f a few third world countries. I've never lived in one, but it's definitely something that, um, is it's, it's unique and it's, uh, people who I young people who I meet here in the United States who haven't ever gone to a third world country, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend they do it because it's it's something raw. It's it's hard, as you said. You, you mentioned before that living in Haiti would have been bloody tough, um, but you made it work, and and you you sort of you see the beauty amongst all 
what what to the untrained eye would look like carnage or would look like poverty or would look like uh you know something a country in ruin but you saw the beauty in it and that's uh that's something quite special, I personally believe, that when you can appreciate that sort of stuff. So um, I know right now uh, I'm planning a, a trip to our honeymoon uh, and we want to go to a third world country. We want to either hit up you know, somewhere like the Philippines or we want to go to somewhere like Peru or something like that. So we can definitely just get that sort of that hit again, if that makes sense. And I'm sure you'd understand what I'm talking about. Oh, that's neat. That's really neat. So, mate, let's dive a little bit more into real estate. We've just, you know, we had a great introduction. I, I'm, I'm blown away, but I, I love it. Um, but really, with the, with your, it sounded like you, it was a means to an end. Like you, you sort of stumbled in onto this, onto this thing called real estate investing because you needed something to support your, your, your life and your, your retirement. So, talk to me a little bit about why you chose or how you chose to invest in. I think you mentioned Memphis and Atlanta. Is that correct? Yes, I I just uh, started doing research. I wanted to go into a market that I knew was on the upswing and that had uh, some real promise. Uh, there were a lot of factors that I I, I brought into. I really sort of first defined my criteria of what I was looking for and then tried to find the places that would best match that. And that's where I ended up with uh, initially Atlanta and Memphis and then later uh, going into Indiana. Um, also, I'm you know, I'm looking at ten uh, other parts of Tennessee. I'm looking at Texas. I'm looking at Ohio. And Kentucky is also another area. So there are some, uh, some other markets that I'm interested in, but I, I really like to delve deep and 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 look at things like you know what what what's what's the population is it growing are jobs growing um what are occupancy rates what are you know are there new businesses coming into the area that are going to provide jobs uh uh what's the supply and demand issue are, are there enough um uh, you know uh, rentals and so forth to be able to support that area and uh, and I've you know I, I started off by you know single family and a couple of duplexes but it didn't take me long before I realized you know looking at uh, a duplex that I paid the exact same price I did for a single family home but I'm making twice the income on I only have you know one you know as if I had two homes compared to a duplex you know you'd have two property uh, uh, tax statements you'd have uh, two insurance policies, two roofs, two you know plumbing systems, and you know. But with a duplex, it's it's just one of each of those. And uh, and I looked at the economies of scale, and I said, what am I doing wasting my time with these smaller properties? And so uh, the next thing I did was buy a 22 unit, and it really wasn't much more difficult. There are definitely some some a little more due diligence that you have to do, but bottom line was it really was not a lot different than buying a single family home. And, and I, and so that, that's where I've directed my efforts and that's why I, you know, went into this exponential model that I'm trying to, to achieve in uh, the next six years. Nice. And where's that 22 units right now? That's in Indianapolis. As Indianapolis. Well. Wow. So you've crossed three, uh, three markets right now. Right. Exactly. That's, that's incredible. So talk to me a little bit about how, you educated yourself, you know, because a lot of people like my story included is that when I first moved to the United States, I had to educate myself about investing here. And now investing in three different sub-markets or three different markets, I should say, not sub-markets. How did you educate yourself? And and did you have to spend some time before you bought that first property? And this is rewinding back to a few years ago to you're in Haiti and you're sort of, you're looking for a place to place some money. How quickly did that go between, you know, saying, okay, real estate is what I want to do. I need to educate myself and, and the time it took to actually buy that first deal. 
you know, that was the difficult part. I, I, I too, read uh, Kiyosaki's book and uh, uh, was very much taken in by the Rich Dad, Poor Dad story and, uh, and, and just looked at investing, looked at business very different. And, uh, and although I'd been in business for years, I've been an investor for years, but man, that, that book just opened my eyes. And so I knew I wanted to go into real estate and it, I started, uh, you know, I was kind of had this shiny object syndrome, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I was going to flip and, uh, I was looking at flipping it sounded great, you know, 40 grand a, a hit, you know, this is, this is what I want to do, but I'm in Haiti. I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do that? How am I going to oversee these projects with contractors? Um, and, uh, so, you know, I'm looking at that, then I'm looking at deeds and liens and, uh, I started, you know, I, I just, I just kind of was all over the board and, you know, and I started, you know, I'd buy these programs and I've got, you know, bookshelves full of these programs thinking I'm going that direction, that direction. And finally, I just kind of really came down to, okay, Bill, w w really, you got to pick your niche and you got to stick with that niche and, and you've got to just stay on it. And, and that's where I, um, you know, finally said, look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go multifamily. I'm, um, I'm, I'm buying and holding, but maybe short term three to five, five to seven years, depending on the market I'm in. And, um, and then I'm just going to stick to that. And, uh, I'm just got to move all these shiny objects away and just stay focused on, on that. And that's, and that's really, you know, where I'm directed and, I, and, and, and just trying to learn that well enough to be able to do it, uh, so that, uh, you know, I'm making good decisions and I'm purchasing the right properties and the right markets and I am, and seeing it through, uh, even though this point I've invested up to this point, uh, you know, with my own funds, I now I'm you know, looking at investors and what their needs are going to be. And my focus is really going to be on, you know, trying to make it the best investment experience for those that are investing with me. Nice, nice. I actually just realized one thing uh, since just hearing you speak and writing, jotting down all the different experiences is that what I think is awesome about you is that you continue to grow in the situation that you're in, right? And you're not afraid to be, because as they, the old saying, right, is you can't treat, teach an old dog new tricks, right? And and you being an old dog and the, the, the leader of the old dog network is that you're, you're completely the opposite. You've throughout your entire life, looking back on it, and and even now, you're you're constantly looking to to educate yourself and and be up up and up with the you know what's the latest thing, what's the best thing for my money. So, well done. <laughs> just just before well, we keep going, <laughs> that's our tagline. Actually, is old dogs can learn new tricks, and <laughs> and and that's one of the appeals to this too. Because it's funny because I was talking to another old dog actually uh, for coffee this morning. And, uh, as we're talking, you know, th this is a guy who's, you know, been in the corporate world forever and he's, he's kind of afraid to retire. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to be bored to death. And, and, and that's really what I share with these, these folks is th the most exciting part of this is the learning and that learning new things and I'm using my brain and I'm, and I'm solving problems and I'm, and, you know, I'm calculating things out and doing due diligence and, and, uh, underwriting and all these exciting things. And, and I, I just, it's just great. And I, I love the, the activity. I love the, and I can control it, which is great because I'm, I'm not working for somebody. So I can do as much or as little as I want. And, um, you know, as long as I can control that, I mean, this, this, this is really fun. 
fun. And uh, and it is it is exciting to learn new things. But that's what I'm sharing with a lot of these guys that are either sitting home and they're kind of tired of collecting seashells or whatever it is <laughs> you do in retirement. I mean, I don't think I'll ever retire. But I mean, I just love the 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 challenge, and I love the you know sort of the hunt, you know. Yep going after that goal it's just it's really really a thrill that's awesome and i think that that's what any entrepreneur is is about right the hunt the the thrill of learning the thrill of understanding a new business i get it i you know this is how i need to implement into my business or i can start this business and whatever it might be not not just necessarily real estate but i think from my personal point of view is what I've learned so much through entrepreneurialism in general is just the ability to now see the world in a different light and see investment opportunities uh, everywhere you look, right? And it's not necessarily whether it be real estate; it could be, you know, different businesses. I think you mentioned before you did you did an eBay business. I'm actually looking at doing like a bit of a small Amazon business right now. So it's like there's all these different opportunities out there. It's just about taking the blindfolds off and and really understanding. And, and it sounds like you're doing an awesome job with, with your network um, and teaching these older guys to take those blindfolds off and hopefully start seeing something new. Um, so that's sort of a bit of a segue into my next question is that is, why did you see the need to start a podcast for, for older people uh, you know, wanting to invest in real estate? And, and I, it's more of a, I know the answer to this question, but I'm just being facetious. But I also want to understand the, the, the why and how successful it's been and, and, and what, what's the sort of legacy or the journey in the future for old dog real estate. Yeah, well, I think what I saw is, is really, is, was really personal for me, you know, because I, I didn't have anything. I didn't, I had you know, been living on faith for the last 12 years. And, and so I, I really had to look at what it was going to do with my life. And I just found that there are a lot of folks in the same place and stories that I'd even read. I read an LA times story about this lady who, um, she, uh, you know, her husband passed away, and and so she didn't know what to do with her life. She didn't want to sit around and and just get old. So she bought an RV, and and she took off in the RV around the country, and was doing real well. But you know, the the RV was getting older; it needed repairs. Her social security, which she was living off of, you know, barely covered the gas, and so she you know started to have difficulty surviving, and and actually would go like from carnival to carnival and do these jobs where they wouldn't mind hiring somebody that's seven. 80 years old and 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 she was just you know struggling and and as i was in the middle of all this stuff going on with real estate i go gosh i want to find this lady i want to talk to her about real estate and you know she'd be better off probably you know selling the rv taking those funds and, and getting involved in real estate but i and, and so that's really i mean the podcast to me is you listen to podcasts i we're really sort of anti uh, and, and no offense to to you or anybody else listening, no. But your monetization of our podcast, you know, our, our our focus really is information. And as we present that information out there, it, it's you know, it's it's helping people, and it's and it's doing stuff that uh, you know that and then and that hopefully they can come to our show or our our website and be able to read our blogs and not feel that they're going to be sold something. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's, and that's really the, the focus here is just to educate, educate, educate if people, you know, I make, I make a lot of contacts. I meet with people all the time, you know, every chance I can, when somebody will call and say, Hey, you know, I, I don't live far from you. You want to get together for coffee and, and I'll, and I'll do it. I mean, just hands down. Um, and in that process, you meet people and, and maybe we'll end up doing deals together. Who knows? But that's really, I mean, that's not the first primary purpose of this. If that happens, it'll happen in more of a sort of a, 
organic way, but this really is, is, uh, is, is just, it's fun. It's educational. I'm having a blast. And, um, at the same time, you know, I'm getting educated. That's one of the, that's one of the most exciting parts is I have, I got to mention that is that I, I get to talk to people that are unbelievable experts in what they do. And, uh, some of them are real estate, um, investors. Some of them are, you know, syndication lawyers, others are, uh, you know, uh, property managers. And I am able to ask them the questions that uh, I, I need to know for my business. You know, I do the and, same thing. I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I talk about on our show that our, our show notes are so detailed because, that's one thing I won't job out. I'll job out other things to people to do virtual assistants or whatever it is. But I want to sit down and listen to that because when you're, you're, you're interviewing somebody, you're thinking too much about the next question. You're really not maybe hearing everything. But when I sit down and I do the show notes, I just get so much out of that. And, uh, I'm just having a great time. It's better than reading, you know, 50 books. And, uh, and even though I've read a lot of real estate books, I get, I get a lot out of the guests that we have on. So that, that's, that's a kick. I I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Bill. Um, and I think you're going to get to a point, like I'm at that point right now where I'm actually turning the podcast through the show notes into a book. Um, and it's been really, really, uh, influential to, to re-listen to, uh, to old episodes to, because you're right, you do being a, a host, you, you think about the next question you think about how you're, you're sounding you think you make sure you're not stuttering all those sort of things you don't actually absorb the content um so sometimes I actually find myself on my drives i will actually re-listen to some of my episodes not because i'm vain but because i want to you know can continually improve and i oh that's right i remember him talking to me about that particular point yeah i gotta write i gotta remember that and, and you know it's, it's that old saying that you got to tell someone seven times before it sinks in right so <laughs> 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 no, and that's true. I, I listen to these shows too over and over, you know, at different times. Sometimes um, I'll be focused on doing something different and I go, oh, I, I interviewed somebody about this, uh, you know, whether, whether it's, uh, you know, building a, uh, you know, adding amenities to your apartment building and, and I'll listen to it. I, go, I, I didn't even remember the guy saying that that's a great idea. And that would work perfectly for this property or whatever. And so it is, it, it's, it's a blast. It's really fun. I mean, I listen to a lot of real estate podcasts, but, uh, I do listen to mine, you know, uh, on occasions, even after the fact, after I've done the show notes. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Now, before we, um, before we got on this show today, I know we talked a little bit offline about, you know, how the show would flow. And you mentioned something that was kind of got my interest or struck my interest at least. And that was st uh, tenant stealth marketing. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more about that? Yeah, it uh, happened with the 22-unit property in Indianapolis. Um, I had a very aggressive plan. It was a, uh, and still is, a, uh, a value-add deal. Um, I, I bought the property pretty significantly under market. Um, it uh, had rents that were below market. It uh, definitely needed upgrades. And, and so I had a three month plan of upgrading this place. I mean, going all the common areas, doing all that, and then plans to upgrade the individual units as they became available. But, but the process was, you know, a lot of things happening at the same time, you know, doing all the exterior and interior, um, up, uh, common areas upgrades, uh, at the same time, increasing rents. Uh, uh, and, uh, as we were doing that, 
um, also doing some major conversions. So, you know, the whole idea with the value add is you're trying to boost revenue and reduce expenses. And so we're, uh, for example, they had a huge boiler, like a lot of this uh, building built in 1925 and it had this huge boiler. I don't think it was the boiler was that old, but it still had the the grates, you know, the heater grates in each of the, the units. And, um, and the landlord's paying for all that stuff. And, uh, you know, landlord's also paying water and so forth so uh, one of the first things we did is uh, we, we it, it was really in need of an upgrade on the electrical the mechanicals and so we figured well let's upgrade that uh, to the point where we can get 220 per each unit and we can uh, get rid of this this boiler that heats the place give everybody their own sideboard heating so they can adjust their own thermostat and and uh, adjust the heat in their in their own places and uh, at the same time uh, you know, put in electric stoves. So we're paying gas. Uh, it takes the, again, the expense off of us. It's, it's cutting our expenses. We're also going to be introducing a rubs program, which will allow for the water portion of that to be divided up amongst tenants. And, and at, so all of these things are happening. The rents are going up. So the income is increasing. We're also looking at other ways to increase our income on top of that. And, uh, as the rent, as the expenses come down, what happens is you have this, this huge increase in value of this property, especially with all the upgrades that we're doing, uh, the physical things that are making it look better inside and out. And you just can kind of combine all those things. Well, this aggressive plan we launched into, um, about halfway through it, my property manager's uh, wife, a young, 35 year old lady was uh, going to one of her kids baseball games and stepped off of the grandstands and got a double brain aneurysm and just just collapsed and uh, and he's you know he's got his own shop there but he does a lot of it and he's he's running around as well as working in the office and um, this is rocked his whole world and it's a fairly new business for him and so uh, it was just you know, I had the choice. I had the choice. Do I fire this guy or do I, I, I find another way? And I, I really just didn't feel that I just didn't feel right in my heart to do that. And, uh, I just, uh, you know, start talking to him. I said, look, I, I, I've got a plan here. I've go, we've got, we've got to finish this rehab. We're on a schedule. Um, we also have to get some new tenants in cause we, we had a number of, uh, empty units. We had about a 68% occupancy, I said, I'm coming out there. I'm going to live in one of the units. Um, I'm going to do rehab while I'm in that unit. And then I'm also going to um, oversee contractors and things that you can't do because the demand in your family right now. So I, um, I basically set myself up to you know, oversee and work with contractors, try to get things done. At the same time, I uh, launched what I call a stealth tenant marketing effort. Uh, one of our problems is that uh, we would always just put a sign out in front uh, for the history of this place, but you know, put a sign out in front and you get people walking by that would come in and apply. And and it's it's an area in transition. It's in the path of progress. There's some great things going on in that area, but the people that are walking in are not necessarily the tenants that we're, we're targeting. So I wanted to move it all online and I wanted to find other avenues where I can feed in the kinds of tenants that we really want to do because whether you want to admit it or not, the, the, the type of tenant 
also impacts the value of the asset. And so we, you know, looked at uh, various avenues. And so I went into a lot of different areas and just a, in a sort of a quick overview. Uh, one thing is I moved everything online and uh, we were, you know, went on to hotpads.com, apartments.com, rent.com, all these, all, all these different uh, online apartment rental areas, uh, created a web page, um, just moved ourselves so that people would have to be computer savvy to find us and to, and to contact us. And that's already moving up a notch or two uh, in this area. So, you know, they're, they're looking on the computer. Then I started to go around to businesses in the area that had a certain number of employees, you know, a couple hundred employees and more, and went into their HR departments and gave them a little flyer that had a special offer that if any of their employees contacted us and said they were from that employee, that we'd give them an extra month rent free. And uh, started setting that up with various businesses in the area. Uh, we went into areas where they were assisting people, um, you know, people are trying to turn their lives around and, and get back on track. And and uh, and we were talking to them that we would uh, work with them in terms of giving, uh, you know, uh, sort of special arrangements with the uh, folks that they might refer to us. And uh, and then, you know, just even small little CVS pharmacies and so forth, going in there, giving them these flyers and trying to get people that had a solid job that, uh, you know, met the criteria that we were looking for in terms of our tenants. And, and, uh, once that got set up, I mean, I, I was there for 30 days. Not only was I, uh, you know, not only were we doing that, I was also learning a lot about the market and about where this place was. I mean, I was in an apartment, I, I brought in a blow up bed and, and literally that's where I slept. I'd stick it in the closet at night. Um, but I was getting attacked by bed bugs and I'm going, Oh man, I mean, I had no idea we had a problem with bed bugs and, and it, sh and it did happen to be that this one unit was seemed to be the source of the problem. So we were able to tackle it really quickly, but I you know, dealt with that. I, I, I got to interface with the, with the tenants. I got to learn a lot about their motivations, why they were there, why they chose us, uh, you know, just doing my own little market uh, analysis and, uh, sort of a marketing survey to find out, uh, who, who was there and, and what kind of tenants we had, what were their issues, what kinds of things did they want to see in this building and, and so forth. So it, it was, it was just had a lot of beneficial, um, uh, factors that were happening, uh, just by being there. I was there for 30 days and in 30 days we moved from 68% uh, occupancy to 95%. And so I flew home, you know, most of the, uh, major upgrades were done, um, we had almost all of the units rented and uh, headed back uh, to the states. I mean, my wife wasn't real thrilled with it. Uh, my kids, um, it was it was a move. Sometimes, as an out of state investor, there are some real challenges, and and one of them is being there when you need to be there. And so I was I was glad I did it because I, I don't fly out there every month. I really try to move to as passive a model as possible, where I'm just on the phone a couple hours a week, you know, with uh, my uh, property managers, but this required something more. So I think you have to be ready for that as an out-of-state investor. It doesn't mean you have to go live there for a month, but you know, maybe you'll go there for four days. Maybe you'll go there for a week and take care of whatever issue you have to do. But I also spent time, one great advantage is I spent time with the property manager. I mean, I went there every morning to the property manager's office. I got to know the people in the office. They got to know me. I wasn't just another owner on the phone. And, uh, you know, the, the girl that ran the office even, uh, you know, made me her Facebook friend. And I bought, I, I bought Girl Scout cookies for, from her daughter. And, you know, I mean, we, we just, I just struck a great, 
great rapport with the people and the guy, you know, that, that owned the place. We, we really did well. And I, and I was just, I spent time with him just to encourage him and the, and the, the trials that he was facing with his family. And, and my wife had a prayer chain going and stuff. And we were just, you know, we, we, we really wanted to do all we could to, to help him in that situation too. So, uh, it was, it was a neat experience and, um, you know, and it's something I would recommend to people that are, are out of state investors that, that may be frustrated and, and really, uh, want to be able to deal with a specific issue. And that was, my focus was this issue, you know, getting this place done and getting tenants in there. And, you know, I went there with a goal. I had nothing else to do. I'm there in this room. I didn't have a TV in the room, you know, I mean, it was just like, boom you know this is i'm living and breathing it and i'm and i'm screening tenants i have applications there you know i bought a little printer that also you know copy things so you know i'm copying people's ids and they're you know they're i mean helping them with the screening process so that i could really make sure the people we're bringing in are good tenants it was it was a blast that's awesome that's incredibly uh gorilla stealth marketing that, that's i think you would have learned so much being boots on the ground for that period of time living in your own building uh and just getting to know the people and getting to know the community I personally think you may have even got some, you know, maybe more leads. I don't know for for new deals <laughs> because you now know the area oh, so well. You bet. I actually did spend time with my broker in that area quite a bit, looking at properties, and and some of those I've, I've recently made offers on. So they are definitely uh, there are advantages there, and I spent a lot of time with my boots on the ground, all all the different people that are involved in in what we have to do there. So it was, yeah, that that uh, there are some advantages from that standpoint too. I think. Oh, any takeaway advice from that? Like if you have the time to go and live in your apartment or your, your building interstate for a period of time to get to know people and it shows the people that you work with, you know, your property managers, your general contractors, the staff, as you said, buying Girl Scout, Scout cookies, your own tenants, it puts a face rather than just the, 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 the scary owner, right? And you're just that owner that's going to come and, you know, kick them out if they don't pay rent on time. You know, you obviously got to ride a tight ship. But the thing is, you, you've you've also created a rapport with these people and they're going to treat your building in a lot better fashion than if they didn't know you. Personally, that's what I that's what I would think. But um, maybe you can tell me in a couple of months' time. <laughs> so No, it's true. That, that was one of the key advantages. They had a face uh, to go with uh, the owner. And granted, you know, there are definitely some disadvantages too. I mean, I had a lot of people texting me and, you right. know, about this issue and that <laughs> issue. And I had to keep referring, no, no, you got to talk to Ted, you know, he's the property manager, got, you know, so I, I've kind of got him back into that mode. But when I was there, you know, they'd come over, I'm locked out of my apartment. Okay, I'll help you. Uh, you know, hey, I got this problem, you know, okay, you know, but. When I left, they wanted to try to keep doing that, and I just said, "Look, you know, you, I, I don't want to circumvent. I got a great guy there that's that's taking care of that stuff." And so, yeah, there's there's disadvantages and advantages, but one thing I did notice is that people were really, um, there were some people that that uh, wanted a bigger place, and we didn't have the, what they wanted, and they felt guilty. They, you know, texted me, "Oh, Bill, I don't want you to think that I, you know I don't appreciate this place," and you know, I mean, they're apologizing to me, and uh, and so that was great. That's uh, awesome. But they're yeah, there's pluses and minuses. It's, I, it's a good good thing. I think that that approaching the local businesses and and offering you know uh, concessions is is a, is a bloody brilliant idea in my mind and uh i just think there was going to be so much more come out of that month than you will realize you know from 
your team on the ground to finding new deals, which is incredibly important. And probably the fact that you can start creating a bit of a community around your building and you're getting good rapport with other tenants and other tenants are going to tell, refer their friends, you know, better tenants to your building. So I think in general that month, even though your family might not have liked you going out there and, and you sleeping in the bed bugs, <laughs> I think it's definitely <laughs> going to help you in the long run. So well done. Uh, just to add to one last thing too, another thing I was able to do is to uh, talk to the owners of the other buildings in the mm, area because yes. we're all facing similar issues. And, uh, you know, it used to be an area where there was drug dealing and prostitution and so forth. And a lot of that stuff is gone, but there's still, you know, a little here and there, but uh, not in our units. And we all kind of banded together and, uh, you know, made a commitment. We're upgrading. So I did a lot of you know, exterior things to improve sort of the curb, uh, you know, curb appeal of the, yeah. And, uh, these guys started to follow suit. I put a new sign in the guy next door, put a new sign in. And so <laughs> it had this also reciprocal effect that really, uh, affected, I think the overall value of the area too. And I didn't, didn't anticipate that. That's awesome. That's, that's really, really awesome. I'm, I'm sure it comes from your days working, uh, in Haiti, uh, in the missionary and, and creating those orphanages. So, you know, you're not one to shy away from a bit of a challenge if it's a bit rough around the edges. So that's 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 incredible stuff. Um, Bill, towards the end of every show, I always get my uh, guests to tell us their top five investing tips and their five specific questions that I'll ask you. But are you ready to dive into it? I am ready. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Ever since I've been an entrepreneur, um, I've always been an early riser, even when I was in Haiti. I, I'm a guy that wakes up like a alarm clock at 4 a.m. in the morning. And uh, it's just it's just that I, the way I built. I, I don't understand it, you know, but I, I, I'm always up. And I have found that those early morning hours um, are the most productive and the, and really the most fruitful in the in overall is that uh, you know that four to six seven o'clock time period where I get the best stuff done. So I really save the the most critical things to do for that, and I have that major goal that I have to achieve. I usually achieve it during that that time frame, and that uh, that is uh, one of the things that I've really stuck to that has been really really valuable. And also probably getting up at that hour, you could you could bug your property manager who's probably a couple of hours ahead of you, right? <laughs> yeah, three three hour difference. No, exactly. And he's he gets in there early, and I'm like the first call he gets. You know, <laughs> he's at seven a.m. You're like, what, are you, Bill? It's four a.m. on the on the Pacific coast. You know, what are you doing? Go back to sleep. The <laughs> uh, question number two is, who is the most influential person in your career to date? Well, that is a that's a that's a tough one um, because there are. You know, it's funny. I've always been around sort of real estate investors. Um, my father-in-law, though, is uh, one of the things that we're doing while we're here in Southern California is uh, taking care of my wife's folks. And uh, uh, while I was in Haiti, both of my folks passed away. And uh, I, I, it was even from, it was so frustrating because I, I kind of wanted to be with them during that time, you know, those the, that last season of their lives. And so there's some frustration that happened there. And and even with my father's own funeral, I couldn't go to it because there was a manifestation where they, you know, the, the riots all over Haiti, I, the airports were closed. I couldn't even fly to my own dad's funeral. So 
So, you know, I've been kind of living vicariously through uh, what we're doing in caring for my wife's uh, parents. And uh, and he is an immigrant from Cuba. Um, he's uh, came over here when these guys was seventeen dollars in his in his pocket and uh, grew a, a real estate empire. And uh, with that, you know, he he learned from scratch, you know, how to how to how to do this thing. And uh, I just really admired that guy. And, and uh, you know, I look at how he did it. He he would you know very different approach than I did, but um, he he just he he made it work and he succeeded and he was able to do great things with his family and his wife and uh, his latter years. Now he's not really moving around as much and now I'm helping him with uh, his real estate holdings. Although he sold a lot of them, um, he you know there's just a few that we're we're kind of working with with him. But it's uh, I, he's he's an inspiration and it has been an inspiration for me. That's awesome. Uh, it's a it's a really really touching story. And sorry to hear that you couldn't get to your your father's funeral. That's uh, that must have been gut wrenching for you. Yeah, it was yeah, rough. It was rough, mate. Uh, I sure you have a influential tool in your business in your real estate business. What what is that influential tool? Well, uh, interesting you that the 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 tool that for me is influential is this microphone I'm speaking into right now. Um, it, it really, in terms of influential, it has allowed a guy who really doesn't have a lot of experience to influence and, and be able to reach out to people that, uh, uh, you know, that one are benefiting from the story and my little journey here at the same time, uh, able to, connect with people that have been doing this a lot longer than I have. But this tool has really allowed me to do that. Nice, nice. I think that is, uh, you and I are cut from the same cloth, I think, because we, uh, we, we, we are very similar. I was just in your show and I was saying very similar things to what you're saying right now. So, so awesome stuff. Uh, what has been the biggest failure in your real estate career so far? Um, I think the biggest thing for me, there, there are four things that I believe a person needs to do to, to, get into real estate. People ask me, how do you get into real estate? And the number one thing is get educated. Um, and, and that's a two phase process. It's before you do anything, study, read, listen to podcasts, go to bigger pockets. I mean, everywhere you can get information, collect it. Um, you know, if you want to go through a program, you know, go through a program. Um, the second phase of it is actually after you buy your first property. And that to me is where a lot of the major education takes place. But so education is number one. Number two is getting a mentor. Uh, number three is writing a plan. And number four is just taking action. Okay. You got all this stuff in place. You're ready to go. Now you got to take the leap. And, uh, the, it, this is what I advise people all the time. And I was, I, I didn't follow my own plan here. Um, I, I didn't get the mentor until later on after I had made a lot of mistakes. And I think if I would have avoided a lot of those mistakes if I would have found that good mentor to work with. So that, that to me was my, my biggest, um, uh, mistake not getting a mentor soon enough. And I know the mentor that you work with, he's a bloody good bloke. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that uh, great guy, great guy. He's like my kid. It's <laughs> like half my age. <laughs> well, uh, Bill, the last question for you is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Well, I think the, the best place is through our, our blog site. Uh, it's 
olddogsreinetwork.com. And dogs is spelled D-A-W-G-S, homes, okay? <laughs> okay, so that's like, you know, I'm, I'm just a, a regular homie, you know? So so it's olddogsreinetwork.com. And uh, they'll be able to reach me through there. Um, we have, uh, you know, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, um, all these other places too. just type in old dogs and, and you'll find us, uh, in Instagram. I mean, I didn't even have a Facebook page before I got involved in real estate. It was so funny. But when I got involved in this, they said, now you gotta have a Facebook page. So anyway, I got one and, uh, and it's great. We have a little group there that if people, you know, you don't have to pay anything, but if you want to get in our, um, I guess it's called, I guess it's called a group. I don't know what it is. Facebook group. It's a private group, but if you just send me, uh, you know, that you're interested in joining, uh, we can put you in and, uh, and you can start interfacing with other, uh, real estate investors as well. But the blog, but I think the blog, the, the website's great. Cause we have, we have articles that come out every week. We have two days a week that we're uh, broadcasting, um, or, or po- our podcast comes out. So there's a lot of great information there too. Nice stuff, mate. Well, I want to say that this show has been an absolute incredible review of your life, but I think you have so much wisdom to bestow upon so many people, and I think you are doing an incredible job with the current um, Old Dogs Real Estate Network that you've created, and I think you're making a great service, or you've created a great service. Uh, and I just want to sort of summarize. I wrote some notes down here as we were talking, and and I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is that you're eager to consistently keep learning, consistently you're wanting to grow as a person, as an investor, and you're consistently open to new ideas to help to help you keep evolving, and you're completely right. The, the the old mantra of you can't teach an old dog new tricks is completely false when it comes to you, Bill. And I've been really honoured to be able to speak with you today on this show. So so thank you so much for dropping by. Well, thanks for having me on, mate. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've had a great time, a real kick. You're doing some neat things uh, to read, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to an honour to be on. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, guys, if you do like any of the links or the show notes that we've mentioned, anything we mentioned in today's show, please jump on my website at rsnpropertygroup.com. You can find all the show notes there, Bill's contact information, uh, a summary of what we discussed about today. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people going back and re-listening to the, some of the incredible knowledge that Bill has had to bestow upon us. Uh, some really great takeaway t- bits, bits of advice. I'm going to go live in my apartments for a month and see how it changes my spe- perspective of the world. Um, now, remember, if you are interested in joining the group, remember to leave a review on iTunes or subscribe. And if you do want to hit me up, if you're ever in LA, please hit me up at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. I'm always eager to go out for coffee, a beer, lunch, or dinner. So whatever it might be, I'm always eager to, to meet up and talk shop. We're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.